Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's good to be back. I want to thank Waylon and Matt and Tanner and all the staff for filling in while I've been gone. We were talking as, as much as I can remember in 35 years, that's the first time I've ever been gone two Sundays in a row. So uh, after this Sunday, you may say, would you leave for a little while longer? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us, and Lord, open up our mind and our hearts to receive your word, and we love you today, and we exalt you in Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. There's an old Native American story about an Indian brave who was walking in a canyon, and he found an eagle's egg that had fallen from a nest up in a higher place, and it was not damaged. So he didn't think he could get back to where the nest was, and as he walked with the egg in his hand, he found a prairie chicken's nest and put the eagle's egg in the prairie chicken's nest, and the prairie chicken hatched out the eagle egg. And the little eagle thought that it was a prairie chicken. And it ran with the other little chicks that went through the uh, prairies and the pastures. And let me tell you what prairie chickens eat. They eat grasshoppers and bugs and little reptiles and, and fruits and nuts and seeds and grass. And that eagle grew up eating those things. And as it grew and grew, it kind of notices a little bit bigger than the other little prairie chicken chicks. And it began to notice some birds up in the sky that flew way up high. And the highest that that uh, eagle had ever flown was about 100 feet. If, uh, if you know anything about prairie chickens, they're from the, the grouse family, which is a quail or something along those lines. And, and they all can fly, but uh, most of them fly very low. And they just fly till they get back on the ground. And that's where they spend most of their time. And that eagle began to ask the other chicks, well, what, what is those birds up there really high? And, I said, well, that's an eagle up there. They, they have a whole different perspective than we have. And they can go higher than we can go. And they can fly farther than we can fly. And, you know, through the entire life of that eagle, it never realized the potential that it had because the environment that it was in. And I want to talk to you this morning about have you reached your potential? It's the elephant in the room. I've had to ask myself this because I don't know if you've noticed, but you're getting older. Anybody notice you're getting older? If you look in the mirror in the morning, have you noticed that things don't look like they did 20 years ago? This weekend, we have Riley, our little granddaughter. Our kids decided they were going to take the weekend off, so we ended up Friday evening and picked her up, and, and uh, she's about, what, uh, about 15 months old, and she's running through the house and into every drawer and every cabinet and everything, and, and you realize I was a lot younger when we did this the first time. And she's up and she's down and, uh, you know, she gets up maybe at four o'clock in the morning and, you know, she wants to eat. And then there's all these stinky diapers that you have to change or Carrie has to change. Let me uh, amend that. I just carry them out to the, to the garbage. I don't change them. But as you get a little bit older, then one of the things that I've noticed, I have a propensity to pull back. Now, we may do that physically because sometimes we can't do what we used to do maybe 50 years ago or 20 years ago or 10 years ago. But as the outward man perishes, the Bible says the inward man is renewed day by day. 
So even though the outward man is going one way, I want to tell you your inward man can go another way. And if we don't watch it, we'll tie the two together and we'll go the way of the physical when all of a sudden we realize the spiritual has another uh, directory and another uh, pathway that we can follow. And the question is, can I continue to grow? Can I continue to reach my potential no matter what age I'm in? And I believe the answer is absolutely yes. You know, when you read the writings of the Apostle Paul, even though when he realizes he's going to die and they're going to behead him, he writes a letter, and we think it's the last letter he wrote to Timothy. He said, bring me the, the coat and the parchments or the books, and you would, you would question, why does he still want his books? Because I think his attitude is, I'm going to keep learning, I'm going to keep preaching, I'm going to keep serving God until the day that I cannot have my head any longer. And that's a great attitude to have because you always have something to look forward to and you're always progressing in the right direction. Does the Bible have something to say about this? And I believe the Bible does. If you have your Bible, if you'd like to turn to 2 Peter, and, and I've never preached this quite like this before, but I do want to get there. Charles Schultz said, there's no heavier burden than an unfulfilled potential. And then Henry Ford said, there's no man living who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks that he can do. And I, I might have a little question with that that maybe I cannot do what I think I can do, but through God, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. And that's the word of God. And so we do believe that. But Peter begins to write, and as far as we know, this is the last letter that we have recorded of Peter's uh, history. In verse three, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very best and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection or brotherly kindness. And he says to mutual affection, love, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, say that with me, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So verse five, please direct your attention to verse five this morning. Make every effort to add to your faith. So whatever your faith level is today, Peter's challenge to us is to what? Add to our faith. Not shrink back from our faith, not to be static in our faith, not to be average in our faith, but continually to what? Add to your faith. So if you keep adding to your faith, if you keep adding these qualities, these characteristics, you will continue to grow, you will continue to move forward, you'll continue to have profit, you'll continue to increase your business, your family, your character, your integrity, your ministry, your church. We continue to move forward and increasingly add to ourselves. And I believe it's possible. Does anybody else believe it's possible? Now, Notice how Peter ends this last letter he writes to the saints. In chapter three, which is the last chapter of the last letter that we know that Peter had, and he may have had others, but this is the last one that we know. In verse 17, he says, beware lest you fall from being steadfast. 
He says there is the ability not just to go forward, but there is the ability to shrink backwards, right? So he says, okay, I've talked to you about going forward, but let me put a caveat on this. Let me put a, a beware on this. He says, beware lest you fall from being steadfast. So you can be at a place, instead of going forward, you can shrink backwards. So he says, beware that you don't do that. But notice verse 18. Now this is how he closes out his letter. But grow, say that with me, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Now these are the last words that Peter has written. And this last verse of his last letter begins, but grow. You see it? But grow. Why is Peter saying, don't, don't go back from your steadfastness, but continue to grow. I think maybe he's saying this. If you'll give me a little poetic license this morning. I believe he's saying, please do not make the same mistake that I made. Please don't go in the same direction that I went. You see, there was a day in my life that I was the chief among the apostles. I'm the one that Jesus said, you are no longer called this, now you're called this. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And you are going to be the, the rock, if you will, the little rock. I am the foundation, but I'm going to call you the rock. Now, I don't know how Peter took that because Jesus would take Peter places. He would never take other places, uh, people other places, Peter, James, and John. And I've said many times, how would you like to hear the conversation of the others that didn't get to go? Peter, James, and John. That's all I hear. Peter, James, and John. I think he has favors. Guess what? He took them absolutely places he did not take the others. It's just very scriptural. And now Peter is in this position. And I think maybe he's saying to us, don't make the same mistake that I made by not growing. I thought I had arrived. I had it together. I was part of the inner circle. Matter of fact, I was even kind of the head of the inner circle. I'm the one who's speaking more than anybody else, although he does open mouth and insert foot many times, right? I'm the one who is more verbose. I'm the one who speaks more than the rest of the group. I thought I was better. I thought I was more mature, more spiritual than the rest of those apostles and those disciples. But then one day, Jesus came to me and said, be careful because you're going to deny me before this night's over. And this is Peter's response. You know it. They may do it, but I would never do it. I, I'm beyond that. I, I've grown past that. I'm more spiritual than that. Come on, somebody help me this morning. You know, sometimes we look at other people and we judge them and say, well, how dare they do that? Or how, they, how, how do they walk that way? Or how do they do that? Hey, hey, be careful. Be careful because your human nature has the same capability. And my human nature has the same capability. That's why we're not very good judges. We don't have enough information, do we? And we're also prone to the same things in our flesh that other people are prone to. And Peter thought, hey, I had this together. I'm more spiritual than them. I'm the inner circle here. I'm the voice. But when Jesus said I was capable of denying him, I just couldn't believe it. I believe that they may can do it. Matter of fact, he, he said that. 
but I don't think I'm able to deny you, Lord. And can you look at Jesus in the face when Peter said that to him? And he's maybe had a little smirk or a smile and said, Peter, before this night's over, you're going to deny me three times. For the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to have a belly flop for God. Has anybody ever done a belly flop for God? Y'all are so holy. And, and Peter is writing to us as he closes out his last letter. He says, continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful. Beware that you don't come back from your steadfast. You can go forward and you can also go in reverse. So be careful that you don't do that. I assume that I was above failing. I assume I was above denying him. So, do not stop getting better. Do not stop growing. Do not stop achieving. Do not stop reaching your potential. Because Peter would say to us, I personally know the cost of thinking you're where you should be and you quit growing. And that's what happened to me. I had a major failure in my life. So beware that you don't shrink back from your steadfast. Even Jesus gave us a pattern to follow. If you'll listen to Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. As Jesus grew, what did he do? He increased. Oh, I know he's God, but he's also man. So as, as he progressed, what did he do? He kept adding to, he kept adding to. He kept growing. The Bible's very clear that he continued to grow in wisdom. He increased in wisdom. He increased in stature. He increased in, increased in favor with loving God. So calling his disciples, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Let me tell you what he didn't say. Follow me and I'll zap you to be a fisher of men. Follow me and I will just uh, make it easy for you to be a fisher of men. No, that's not what he said. He said, follow me and I'll make you something. And the making of something is not instant. The making of something is a process. The making of something is here a little and there a little. The making of something is that you engage and you go through this step and this step and this step and this step. But he says, I will make you. You see, your past does not define your potential, nor does your future guarantee your potential. But how you deal with the past and how you embrace the future can release your potential. Some of you here today will say, well, maybe I can't become all I was meant to be because I had some failures in my past. Hey, honey, we've all had failures in our past. We've all messed up. There is none righteous. No, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So what do we do? We just sometimes lick our wounds, ask God for repentance, get our mind and our heart right, and we keep going. We, we don't let our past define what our potential in the future is. And we don't sit back and say, well, the future guarantees my potential will come about. And, and that's wrong too, because you have to strive for your potential. You have to press to the mark of the high calling of God. You have to move that direction. You have to get some energy and some synergy going that direction. Can I hear an amen? Because he will make you, but you're part of the process of the making. And there we are moving forward to see that potential released in our life. As we said, you know, we were gone for a couple of Sundays and we, uh, we drove to Nashville and went through the uh, Country and Western Music Hall of Fame. And then from there we went on to Gatlinburg, Tennessee and, 
And we uh, went through the Smoky Mountains and spent some time there. And it was interesting that uh, some of the hotels we stayed at, we stayed at the Lowe's uh, Vanderbilt there in Nashville. And we stayed at a place called Margaritaville in uh, Gatlinburg. What a weird name for a hotel in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. You would thought you would on, be on the coast somewhere, but you're right in the Smoky Mountains. But I noticed that the hotels have changed just a little bit. Used to you had a little thing you hung on the outside of the door that said, do not disturb. You know, our, our hotels didn't have that. The one in uh, Nashville said, uh, still dreaming. The one at the Margarita Hotel said, we're just chilling. But let, let me just bring your attention to the one in Nashville because Carrie and I, we hung that uh, do not disturb that says still dreaming outside on the door. And so we're getting ready to check out and we're going to go to the Country and Western Music Hall of Fame. And, and so, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're showering, we're, we're putting our clothes on, we're, we're packing up. And all of a sudden I, I, I heard the door, the knock on the door. And so I went to the door and it was housekeeping, housekeeping, housekeeping. And so I stepped outside the door and she said, uh, uh, well, I'm here to clear the room, clean the room. And I said, well, we're not ready yet. And there's a thing hanging on the door, still dreaming. And when that happened, I thought, you know, somebody's going to knock on your door to interrupt your dreams. Even though they know the sign's out, you're still dreaming. And now listen, you're going to have a critic come up to you and, and they know you're pursuing your business. They know you're pursuing your family. They, they know you're pursuing a spiritual walk with God. They know you're, you're changed. They, they know that you're not trying to be average or ordinary, the best, the worst, worst, the best. They know that you have higher ideals and higher standards, but you know what they're going to do? They're going to come and knock on your door to interrupt your progress, even though they know you're trying to make that progress. Don't you get wonderful spiritual thoughts from a lot of different places? When she knew we had the we're still dreaming sign out, she's trying to interrupt the dream. And let me just assure you, there's going to be people that are going to try to interrupt your dream, and they're going to say things like this. You don't have enough money. You're not educated enough. You're too old. You're too young. You're whatever. Just keep the sign out and just keep on dreaming big things for God. Amen. Just keep the vision going. Just keep going. And, and I just know that when you grow and you move forward, there are people that don't want you to move beyond their own mediocrity because... They think you're going to make them feel bad. And we're not trying to make anything uh, like that even happen. We're not going to try to make anybody look bad. But let me tell you the mandate of God. You need to be all that you can be. And I need to be all that I can be no matter what anyone else does around me. If they want to stay in mediocrity, let them stay. I can't change that. I may try to stir them and, and, and give them passion and give them fuel. But if they don't move, they're not going to move. But you can move and I can move. I don't have to stay there and neither do you. And I don't have to let my physical body, oh, preach it, pastor. I don't have to let my physical body determine what my inner man does. I can still be a young soul on the inside even though my body's getting older. That'll preach. It's so true. 
Let me share this morning. Can I just get in the message? I'm just priming you right now. I want to give you very quickly five things how we can continue to grow and move forward. So if you have a pencil and paper, I want you to write these down. Five things how we can continue to grow and move forward. Here's number one. Change your mindset and your beliefs if they are negative and faithless. If they are negative and faithless. Let me tell you some, something, folks. Some people have a bend or a tendency to be negative. They always see the glass half full. They always see the problems and not the opportunities. They always see the difficulties and not the vision. So keep that mindset full of faith and positive. And if it's negative and faithless, begin to change it now, right now. Say, I'm going to change my mindset. I'm going to change my attitude. I'm going to change my faith. And I'm going to begin to increase it in the right direction. Have you ever wondered why there are so many verses about your mind and about how you think. The Bible's shot full. Matter of fact, I looked last night. Do you know there is 150 plus verses about your mind and how you think? Would you think that if, if God put 150 verses in your Bible about your mind and how you think, we ought to think about how we think? Absolutely. Let me just give you just some of, let this mind be in you, right? Uh, renew your mind. Think on these things. Why is the Word of God telling us? Because our thoughts direct our lives and our beliefs turn into actions. So our thoughts will direct us, our beliefs will activate us to do what God says that we should do. So if you have that negative bend, if you have that worry bend, if you have that pessimistic bend, if you have that faithless bend, then we need to begin to turn the ship, even if it's so slightly, we need to turn it to the positive. Because it is so important. What we think matters and what we believe absolutely matters. Here's the second thing. Realize that you are the only person that you're in competition with. <laughs> you're the only person you're in competition with. The only person you're in competition with is you. Well, let me tell you why that's important. Because if you compare yourself and if you compete with everybody around you, you will always lose. When you see other people's highlight reel on Facebook, <laughs> you know what a highlight reel is, okay. It's the best things you've ever done. They don't show the bloopers on Facebook. You know what they show? They show the highlight reel. Their vacation, their clothes, their shoes, their kids, their grandkids, their house, their car. That's fine. But if you're back there looking at that and you're saying, look at their highlight reel. Their highlight reel doesn't look like my highlight. Listen, the only person you're in competition with is you. The only church we're in competition with is Ray of Hope. We're not in competition with any other churches. We're not in competition with any other ministries. We're trying to be the best that we can be. Have our potential. You see, you get caught up in that trap, it will be horrible. Your competition is against your version of you yesterday. You see, when we say we're gonna grow, we're gonna have potential, we're gonna say, okay, here, this is where I was a year ago. Where am I today? What books have I read since last year? What gain have I gained since last year? How have I improved since last year? How have I grown since last year? How have I reached my potential since last year? See, you're in competition with you. 
When you stand before God, God's not going to line up 10 other people and say, okay, how do they compare with these other nine? Can I hear an amen? He's going to look at you and he's going to know what he put in you and you're going to see what he does with what he put in you and me. I shared this with the staff on Tuesday. I said, what if God took us at the end of our life and says, okay, here is who you could have been. Boy, that's sobering. But what if he, he puts the version of you over there and says, this is what you could have been, this how you could have looked, how you thought, this is what you could accomplish, because I, all that potential that you see right there, I put in you, and what you did with it, that's up to you. See, I can give you five talents, I can give you two talents, I can give you one talent, but what you do with that is absolutely up to you. So you're not in competition with man. You're not in competition with Susie. You're not in competition with Buddy. How many of you know you're in competition with you? And I'm in competition with me. So forget about all the other comparisons. You have to be the best version of you than you can be. And nobody can do that but you. And God is going to help us because he knows what potential that we have. Now, let me finish this point. I want to be better than I was last year. I want to be further than I was last year. I want to be better than I was last month. So to do that, it's not going to be a static life. It's going to be an ever-increasing faith. It's going to be a life that is in pursuit. It's going to be pressing to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's going to be pressing and pressing and going forward in my mind, in my spirit, in my heart. So number one and number two is kind of connected. So here's number three. Do something extra. Say that with me. Do something extra. Now let's do something extra and let's all say it. Here we go. Do something extra in addition to what you're already doing. You know, some of you, you're in great shape. And it's not round like me, but um, some of you exercise. You're very active. Uh, and that's wonderful. And I appreciate that. But let me tell you what the fitness gurus are going to say to you. Okay, when you finish that last set, just do one or two more reps. When you finish that last run, just, just extend it just a little bit further. So do something extra in addition to what you've already been doing. You say, well, Pastor, that's kind of dumb. That's just physical. It's not very spiritual. Okay, let me, let me get into spiritual for you, okay? If they ask you to go one mile, go two. If they ask for your shirt, Give them your coat. That's spiritual. What is Jesus saying? Whatever you're going to do, do something extra in addition to it. Go the extra mile. Go the extra step. Make the, ex, uh, the other effort. Go above and beyond what you're already doing. So whatever we're doing, he says, do something extra on top of that. Recently, I was listening to Rick Warren preach and he told the story about Dan Cathy. Dan Cathy is the CEO of a company that you're very familiar with that his father started by the name of Truett Cathy. And most of you have probably eaten there. It's called Chick-fil-A. Anybody ever had a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A? I have before, not too many, but I have. Now, Dan Cathy is worth several billion dollars, not millions, but billions. I kind of looked up his net worth and he, he's got a, 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 a pocket full of change. He's a billionaire. So he's a very devout Christian. 
And he was in Southern California and he visited Rick Warren and Rick said that they went out to a, a construction site where they were building another Chick-fil-A franchise building. And there in Southern California, they went out and they walked across the property and the, the, the construction people there and they were working. And they were hungry, so right across the street, and Rick said, he said, I think it was a Taco Bell. So he said, me and Dan Cathy, the CEO of Chick-fil-A, we go across the street to a Taco Bell. And we're, we're kind of dirty. We've been on the construction site. And we go into the restroom, and we, we use the restroom. We wash up our hands to go get our food. And he said, I watched Dan Cathy get some extra towels out of the receptacle because the sink was kind of a mess and the bathroom was kind of a mess. And he said, I watched a billionaire get some extra towels and clean the bathroom of Taco Bell. And he said, nobody in the management of Taco Bell would ever realize that the CEO of Chick-fil-A is in Taco Bell cleaning their bathrooms. And Rick Warren said, I looked at that and I said, Dan, I mean, that's amazing. And this is what he said. He, he said, Rick, we, we, we challenge all of our employees. When you find something, leave it better than you've always found it. Isn't that good? When you find something, leave it better than when you found it. Well, what are you doing? You're doing exactly what Peter said. He says, keep growing. Add to this and add to that and add to that. Don't stop. Don't get static. And don't get to a place where your steadfastness goes in reverse. Because I've been through that. I've made a lot of mistakes. I thought I had it, but I didn't. I needed to keep growing. And now he's writing a letter to the churches. And he says, hey church, here's my parting words to you. Keep growing in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. See ya. They're going to crucify me upside down. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just an amazing story. So people who reach a certain level usually didn't get there just by going backwards. They kept moving forward. So let's leave things better than we found it. Now, we may not do everything in our life we want to do, but at least it'll be better than it was when we found it, right? And we allow the next generation to stand on our shoulders and go further than they may could have gone unless we'd helped them get to this point, right? Here's the fourth thing. Focus on progress, not perfection. Focus on progress, not perfection. Do you know we can be imprisoned by our imperfections we can be imprisoned by our imperfections well I have issues I have problems I'm not the perfect person you think I am not that you thought that but you know when we get out there in in life we get out there in the mix of the battle and, and sometimes we don't do as well as we think we should do or we're not uh, you know, the person other people think that we are, and we have issues and problems. Guess what? Everybody has issues and problems. Everybody has kids that do things that sometimes we don't want them to do. Everybody has grandkids that do things that sometimes we don't want them to do. Listen, everybody has some problems in their marriage at one time or another. I've never met anybody that doesn't. And it may not be a huge problem, but sometimes it's still a problem. I'll guarantee it is. So when you think, well, uh, I've got to be perfect. No, no, you don't have to be perfect. Jesus is perfect. You don't have to be perfect. But he is asking you to make progress. 
He's not saying that you need to be perfect. Now, I realize the Bible says be perfect, be holy as I'm holy. But let me tell you where that is. That's in Jesus Christ. And, and I think the scripture is really evident with that. So if, if I'm locked into perfection and not progress, I'll shrink back. Just like Peter said, your steadfastness will go in reverse here because I'm intimidated. I'm afraid to make a mistake. I may fail. I may falter. So I'm not going to try because if I fail and falter, then it's going to reflect on me because I'm not perfect. Listen, honey, we already know you're perfect. This is not a revelation to me. You know, so many times, sometimes people come to my office and they'll say, Pastor, I need to talk to you. I've done this and I've done that. And let me tell you, I reflect on all the things I've done. I want to say, you're a rookie. I've messed up a lot better and bigger than you have. But you know what? It's not how we mess up. It's how we ask for forgiveness and receive the grace and the mercy of God and just keep on going. So focus on progress, not perfection. You see, sometimes we say, I don't want you to see me as I really am. As Brian Fisher always says, I'm just a mess getting better. And guess what? You are too. You're just a mess getting better all the time. So if I don't watch this, I'll choose my privacy over my progress. Now, what you think about that? I'll choose my privacy over my progress. So I don't make progress because I'm going to keep everything private. And in my privacy, I have to keep it contained. So therefore, I don't step out of that box and make progress because my privacy is more important than my progress. I don't want you to see my inadequacies. I don't want you to see how insufficient I am. I don't want you to see who I really am. Let me tell you, God already sees, he already knows. So let's just make some progress. Let's keep going forward. Sometimes we think we have to make some giant steps. How many of you know it's not always in the giant steps? It's in the little steps. In Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a righteous man or a good man is ordered by the Lord. Not the leaps, not the bounds, but the steps. Little by little, here a little, there a little. Just make a little progress. You don't have to make huge amounts of progress. God is the God of little things. Does anybody believe that here today? God is the God of little things. If you only have a little bit to work with, God will use what we have. If you have a little oil, how many of you know he'll use the little oil? If you have just a little meal in a barrel, he'll use the little meal. If you just have a few loaves and a few small fish, he'll use that. If you just have a mustard seed of faith, he'll use that. God is the God of little things. If you're here today and say, well, Pastor Mike, I just don't have anything big to bring to God. Well, bring the little things to God. That's what he wants. He'll do the big stuff and we'll give him the little stuff. So he uses the little things. Zechariah 4 and 10 says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And that verse is in the context of them coming out of bondage, 70 years of captivity, trying to rebuild the city, rebuild the temple, rebuild worship, rebuild a civilization, if you will, from a bondage of 70 years. He said, hey, don't discount the little things. If you're making a little progress, I'm applauding in heaven. And if you're making a little progress, God is on your side. Can I hear an amen? Do you know the origin of the Apple company? Started in Steve Jobs' parents' garage. Have a picture of it. That's it right there. That company was started by Steve Jobs, 16 years old. Steve Wozniak, he was 21 years old. 
And today, Apple's net worth is $1 trillion. I have one of those phones laying on my desk as we speak. $1 trillion. It's the most valuable brand in the world. Coca-Cola years ago used to be the most valuable brand in the world. Today, Apple is the most valuable brand in the world. $1 trillion. Did you know there's only 16 countries in the world that has a greater GDP than the Apple company? Apple Corporation has more money than most of the nations in the world. And it started in a garage by a 16-year-old. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Just keep making progress. When a widow threw in just a little bit of change in the treasury, and we call it the widow's mite, how many of you know that caught Jesus' attention? He, he grabbed the disciples and said, come here, guys, look at this. And they're thinking, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. People are cashing in a lot of money here. She's just, <laughs> she's cashing in something that doesn't even equal a penny. Do not despise the small things. Because sometimes the small things really catch the Lord's attention. If we strive for perfection, if we press to the mark of the high calling of God, then we will make progress. But I'll guarantee you, you'll never think you've arrived. And if you do, you're wrong. Because the potential is always ongoing. Now, ultimately, and this is what I said earlier, ultimately, our perfection is in Christ Jesus. I am complete in Him. I'm not complete in me, but I am complete in Him. Can I hear an amen? Not in you, not in me, but in Christ. And He is our ultimate hope. And here's the last one. Take advantage of your opportunities. Take advantage of your opportunities. I want to give you a verse. This is Romans chapter 9, verse 13. And this seems so out of character for God, but please listen as I read it. As it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I have hated. How can a God of love hate anyone? Well, if you look at that in the... Uh, original language, we may can see a little bit different version of that. Jacob I love, Esau I'm so disappointed in. It's hard to imagine what he did. So if you'll just keep that in mind, you'll understand the story. See, Esau had the opportunity to receive the birthright from his father Isaac. But it's almost like he didn't value it. He had the opportunity he had the means, he had the position, he was the son, he was the oldest. But when he came in one day and he was hungry, which is a very physical thing, right? Very fleshly thing, hunger. We, we've all had it. Not much in America, but we've had a little bit of it. And when he was hungry, his brother Jacob was making a pot of stew. Lentils, beans, whatever you want to call it. Let's just call it some stew and cornbread. That's making me hungry right now. And he came in and he was so hungry, he said, brother, give me something to eat or I'll die. How many of you know he wouldn't die? And then Jacob said, well, if you'll give me your birthright, I'll give you a pot of my stew and give you some cornbread and put some butter in it. And you know what? He took it. He took it. The opportunity that he had to receive the birthright, he just dismissed it. 
That's why God had this reaction. He's saying, Esau, you had the opportunity. You were the firstborn. It seemed like you had no regard for your father's blessing. You traded it for food. You traded a lifetime of blessing, a lifetime of position for food. How many people today is trading a lifetime of progress, a lifetime of blessing for drugs? How many are trading it for alcohol? How many are trading it for a relationship, a man or a woman or whatever, or, or you know, some kind of passion that we have that we think we have to fulfill? Listen, I'm not discrediting that because it happens all the time, and we're all sinners, and one sin is just as big as the other sin. Can I hear an amen? But you and I have come to the realization that, hey, the things of God are important, and we have to realign our life to Jesus, which means repentance and going down the road that he wants us to go, and, and we've all been on that wrong road, right? All have fallen short, so let's not uh, judge anyone. But, but the thing is evident here, God loves those who pursue the things of God. And he has some disdain for those who choose the things that are driven by our flesh that's not driven by the pursuit of God. And so we have to come to the place to say, listen, if I'm going to make progress, if I'm going to reach my potential that God put in me, then I have to pursue the one who put that potential within me. So I have to realize I have to take advantage of the opportunities in my life. So here's the question. What opportunities do we have as a church? They're huge. Absolutely huge. Listen, every week I get excited about it. Listen, we have the opportunity to reach children. Matter of fact, we're trying to, you know, collect the money to build a new playground. I don't know if you know this. This just happened this last week. But, you know, we had a, a number. We, we have a, a, a contact as far as a supplier. And then we found out that we could maybe apply for a grant for a playground in addition to what we're already doing. So, sure, we'll apply for that. You know what? We actually received the grant. The church received the grant. Isn't that amazing? $50,000. $50,000. How many know God's a good guy? Now, we have to, we have to pay for the, the installation, but the equipment, we got a grant for $50,000 into addition. Or we're gonna do, so we've got to raise some more money to, to pay for that. But let me tell you, we have the opportunity to reach kids, to reach young people, to reach teenagers. The last few weeks, our teenage number over there has almost outpaced our facility now. We have well over 100 teenagers every Wednesday night coming to service to hear Tanner and Matt preach and to interact together. Folks, we have a great opportunity here. We have the opportunity to reach young families. Folks, I wanna tell you something, just as, as a father, not, not as a spiritual father for the church, but just my own family. The things we can put into our children are huge. The things we can put into young families are huge. Listen, we're not here for the show. Are you listening to me? We're not here for the show. I don't have all the studs, the hair, and, and the skinny jeans and everything. I'm, I'm not here for the culture. I'm here for Jesus. And sometimes the culture has vaunted itself above Jesus. And you can go into churches and it's about the culture, you don't hear much about Jesus. Listen, we're here about Jesus. And we need to be here about Jesus. So we have to understand the upswing, the, 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 the uptide is huge. And I want to tell you something. 
when we see waves of difficulty and maybe even persecution come through, let me tell you, that kind of uh, shallow culture is going to go by the wayside. And people are going to look for a real relationship with Jesus Christ. They're going to look for a real relationship with Jesus Christ. So the upside is huge. The potential is great. Let me ask you this question. What's the potential for you and me individually? Well, I think it's great too. He said, well, pastor, I waste a lot of years. Well, that's fine. I mean, that's water on the bridge. You'll never get that bad. We can't respend the world. But guess what? Today is a whole new day. Well, you know, I'm getting older. I understand that. I'm getting older too. But let me tell you, the outward man may be perishing, but the inner man is being renewed day by day. I got a text this morning. You know, Matt got one. Tanner got one. Someone texted my phone this morning. I'm in there shaving, and I have my phone laying there. And all of a sudden, it pops up and says, I want you to know I'm praying for you, and the Holy Spirit's got your back today. And I text back, and I need the helper, and I need your prayers. So individually, guess what? People are praying for you, and the Holy Spirit's got your back. And you can keep growing and growing, and you can do things you never thought you could do. And trust me, I'm believing this. I pray it almost every Sunday morning. I believe one day you're going to walk in here, and you say, what has the Lord done? I can't even find a seat. Some of you will be mad. Some of you will be happy. But I'm going to be happy. I'll sit in a folding chair. Because I want to see progress. I want to take advantage of opportunities. You have opportunity for you collectively. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you have the opportunity to be saved. You have the opportunity to change your life. You have the opportunity to go a different direction. You have the opportunity to be a better mother, a better father, an opportunity to be a better person. And we have an opportunity collectively to do more, be more, reach more. Amen. Stand with me this morning. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.